Well, happy Divine Mercy Sunday to you all. This Sunday where we celebrate uh, the infinite mercy of God that he gave uh, first that ministry of mercy to his apostles in this reading. You know, whose sins you forgive are forgiven. Uh, so it's, it's a wonderful devotion that we have in the church this second Sunday of Easter that we celebrate God's infinite mercy for us as a people. I had a friend at the seminary who was a bit of a workout nut. Uh, he, he was just in peak physical condition. He just ripped muscles. Myself, not so much. But one day, you know, I was trying to lose a few pounds or so, and I decided to work out with him. And it went okay. You know, I tried my best. Didn't go so well. And the next morning, my entire body was sore. It was not good. I had worked out muscles I never knew I had. And they were aching big time. I kept it up for a little while and eventually got used to it a little bit so that hopefully the next morning after I worked out, my body wasn't completely sore. You know, those muscles were used to being worked a little more eventually. Uh, they were used to working. Now, I have since fallen off that particular wagon, but I think each of us has had an experience like this. You know, working muscles that we never knew that we had, working parts of our brain that we never knew we had, unleashing capabilities that we never knew we had. It can be tough for us in the beginning when this happens. There might be some setbacks, there might be a few obstacles, but eventually it becomes second nature. It becomes muscle memory, if you will. And in this gospel today, our Lord is pushing his apostles. He is trying to get something out of them. He is trying to elicit faith from them, to elicit faith from his apostles. That's the case not only today, but in all of the post-resurrection appearances that our Lord makes to his followers. Every time he appears to them after his resurrection, he is trying to elicit faith from them. And in this particular moment, the apostles had to believe that it was Jesus. The apostles had to believe that it was Jesus in front of them, not just, again, Jesus the ghost in a way, but Jesus the person, Jesus in the flesh. They had to believe in that moment that he rose from the dead. Yes, there was someone there in front of them, but it required faith to believe that that man wasn't a ghost. It required faith for them to believe that the person in front of them was the same person that they had known, that they had walked all around ancient Palestine with for about three years. Believing in that required faith. And this was a little bit more of extra work on their part, almost like exercise in a way. Because all throughout his public ministry, those apostles were probably very reliant on Jesus' physical presence right in front of them. You know, as you are here with me, they relied maybe on that. And it was good because Jesus was there. But after our resurrection and after his ascension, they would require faith. Again, Jesus would not physically be there like you are with me. They had to begin working muscles that they didn't know they had, in a way. And this was difficult. Again, it required extra work, as evidenced by Thomas's doubt in this gospel. We could say that Thomas's doubt was the growing pains of faith, like someone working out and maybe feeling sore the next day. Because Thomas wasn't used to having to take that extra step of faith that faith requires as opposed to just seeing someone in the flesh face to face. It requires an extra step and Thomas wasn't quite used to it 
So it required some work. And the reason that Christ tries to do this, tries to elicit faith out of his apostles, is because he knows what will come next for the church, where those same apostles will have to spread the faith to those who had not seen Jesus in the flesh, who had never heard his voice, who had never ate and drank with him while he was on earth. The faith of the apostles, again, while Jesus was in the flesh, was somewhat different from our faith today. There's an extra step, an extra, extra couple muscles we have to work in order to get to our faith. And those apostles were maybe reliant more on Jesus' physical presence, but that faith would not be as effective in spreading the gospel. Again, for us who didn't eat and drink with Jesus while he was on earth, the apostles needed the extra exercise. They needed the extra work. Because you cannot give what, we do, what you do not already have, as that famous axiom goes. And if the apostles wanted us to have faith without seeing Jesus in the flesh, they needed that faith firsthand. And today's gospel is where we see the apostles begin to acquire this virtue, where they begin to acquire this gift. And it's so true that this gift of faith conquers the world as we heard from St. John's reading today. Through faith and through belief in God, we have life in the name of Christ. The victory that conquers the world truly is our faith. And it's so beautiful to think that our faith has conquered the world. It has been spread to every corner of our planet. It has withstood every empire, every dictator, every government that has tried to suppress it or destroy it entirely. Faith has conquered the world. That exercise of faith has conquered the world. And thankfully, we know that St. Thomas would eventually participate uh, in that conquering of the world. Thomas would end his life by making a supreme act of faith. He believes in this passage. He eventually makes this act of faith, my Lord and my God. It's very simple but very beautiful, this act of faith that Thomas eventually makes. He finally has it. And that act of faith, that exercise of faith, would eventually take him all the way to India, where he would be martyred for Christ. What a wonderful progression, what great progress and wonderful growth that our Lord gives to St. Thomas with the faith that begins in this gospel today. And you and I, brothers and sisters, need that same faith, that same supreme act of faith that St. Thomas made. Maybe not by going all the way to India and dying for the faith, but maybe his words can inspire us today. My Lord and my God. You know, it's a beautiful tradition in the church that when the priest elevates the host at the consecration of the Eucharist, that everyone, in, not out loud, but in the silence of their hearts, says to themselves, my Lord and my God. That same act of faith that St. Thomas himself made, we can make at the most important moment of the Mass. And when the priest elevates the chalice, again, in the silence of our hearts, we can say, my Jesus, mercy. The blood being poured out from Jesus' side, a wonderful thing to say on this Divine Mercy Sunday. My Lord and my God, and my Jesus, mercy. Those two wonderful acts of faith that you and I can make and have that same faith of the apostles, the same faith that conquers the world. We can have that at the most important moments of the Mass. So I encourage you all, at least today, in the silence of your hearts at those two important moments, 
my Lord and my God, and my Jesus' mercy. So maybe today when we do that, yes, we can participate in that, but also remember that it is our faith that can not only give us faith here at the altar, but allow us to conquer the world. We can express our belief in Christ and in his presence and in his love for us, not just here, but everywhere we go. So that we can truly say, alongside St. Thomas the Apostle, my Lord and my God, that we can see, believe, and have life in Jesus' name.